There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watson. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on April the 1st, 2010. For newcomers, look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website. Bookmark all the other sites I have up there for future use because once in a while uh, the, the com site goes down. There's too many people going to it at one time. And if you find download problems, try these alternate sites that are listed on the front page and you might find it a bit, a bit easier. Remember, one of them, too, is alanwattsentinel.eu. That has the same audio as the rest, but it's got the addition of transcripts, which you can download for prints up and choose from the, the various languages of Europe. Uh, this, I've done hundreds and hundreds of talks in the past, and they're catching up quite good to all the translators with these uh, printed transcripts. And remember, too, that you are the audience that bring me to you, I don't get support from advertisers. I don't push any products. The ads on this show that you hear are, are paid directly to RBN for the broadcast and for their airtime and for putting it out over satellite and all the rest of it. it. pays for the staff and their equipment and their bills. So it's up to you to keep me going. That way I'm independent, you see. And uh, I don't come under pressure on what subjects I can touch or, or not touch. So keep me going, and as I say, you can go into cuttingthroughmates.com, find out what I have for sale, the, the books I have for sale, very interesting, non-linear thinking books, helps you wake up when you read them, it kind of deprograms you when you do read them, and you can also buy discs, which are listed there as well, CD and DVD discs, that helps me tick over just about, almost. Some of these discs have 50 shows on them, and that's a good thing to have these days if your computer crashes. Who knows when we'll be pulled from the air, you never know, and uh, or pulled off the Internet altogether. That way you've got a backup there. You can always uh, go over the shows in your leisure on your own. And from the U.S. to Canada, don't forget you can use personal checks to Canada. You can also use an international postal money order from the post office. That's prepaid like a bank uh, uh, bill, so basically it's immediately cashed in Canada, no problems at all. And if it, gets, if it gets lost too, there's a tracking number on it and you get your money back. So international postal money order if you wish. You can also use MoneyGram, Western Union. You can donate through PayPal. You can purchase through PayPal. Just send a separate email with the order to me, Alan Watt cutting through at yahoo.com with your order and your donation separate and I'll get the stuff out to you. Across the rest of the world, it's the same story. MoneyGram, Western Union. Don't forget cash as well. Cash is okay. Uh, you can use PayPal to order or donate. And I do depend upon you to donate as well. I don't get enough orders to keep me ticking by. And... Uh, and that will be that. I don't push this all through the show because I'm not a salesman. I'm not in it for sales. And as I say, if I was, I wouldn't be doing this at all. 
This is not a job, and it's worse than any vocation. It's, it's a must-be, it's a necessity to come out with this information at this time as we go through the greatest changes the world has ever seen for hundreds of years. And for those who get the disc burned and passed to them, they don't use computers, but some people pass them to them. Uh, you can get in touch with me at Alan Watt, Site 41, Box 4, Estaire, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. The postal code is P for Peter, the number 3, E for Elizabeth, the number 4, N for Nora, and the number 1, P3E4N1. And I'll be back with tonight's topics. We'll come back from this break. Hi, folks. This is Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix. Last night I talked about... Uh, how we're kept in, in this matrix with uh, psychology, basically. It's a form of psychology. Uh, behaviorists have been working for an awful long time with every government for well over 60 years, 70 years, on how to manage the populations. We're managed now. And they came to conclusions an awful long time ago that we were just too dumb and stupid to go along with their agendas. In other words, we're, we're a bit brighter at that time, better informed, so they call us dumb and stupid, and therefore they'd have to simply deceive us and use scientific methods to indoctrinate us and to get us to go along with everything that they had planned to come along the pike. And they formed world associations based in London initially, and the Royal Institute for International Affairs is one of the biggest. You must go into their sites. If you really want to know what's going on, Globally and with your country, wherever you are, you go into uh, the Council on Foreign Relations' own websites and you'll see that they have think tanks, unlimited think tanks working on, on hundreds of areas of society to do with, with your home building, um, where you should, people should be building, building codes and so on. They work with the United Nations. In fact, they run, they tell the United Nations what to do. The UN in itself is a front, really. Uh, set up to be the dummy uh, world parliament, the world parliament um, that Shelley talked about uh, in his poem. And at the moment we're going through a phase where they keep us punch drunk, punch drunk with crazy news. And I, I mentioned patterns of news yesterday. When you see patterns of news come out that, that makes no sense or they seem so down, downright silly, where bureaucrats are interfering with people, where laws are being passed to favor rapists and stuff like that. Uh, this is meant to get you punched drunk until, literally, uh, you can't make sense of things anymore. It's a real psychological technique. And again, Pavlov is a guy they give credit to because he used to do this on different animals and prisoners as well, by the way, human beings, to make sure that these techniques did work. And they found that when you, when you were just like the dog, when you were shocked in all corners of the room, you didn't know where to go anymore, you just broke down eventually. That's a state of where they can reprogram you. And because you can't trust your own perceptions, your own senses, your own rationale, you go along with whichever way you're pushed. And we have such big changes to go through, such massive changes in this new global society that literally is not new and was planned an awful long time ago, before your grandparents were born, 
then they have to shock us in so many ways with crashes and terrorism and all that till we're off balance. And then we just go along with the big bully boys when they come uh, and march along the street with their machine guns and their black clad outfits and so on. All for your safety, you understand. But to give you an example of this, I mean, the UK, Britain was the, to be the test bed for everything, a form of socialism across the whole planet, uh, where the people were gradually trained to obey, 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 until they were obeying silly, ridiculous, persecutory laws and really paying through the nose for every privilege, every privilege, they call it there, uh, to, to live. Uh, they're taxed so many times over for the same things, but so are we all now. We all have fees and top of garbage um, bags and all the rest of it, even though we paid the initial garbage in the first place. Now they come on with bags. You buy the bags. Now they charge you for the bags on top of that. Well, before that, you were throwing the whole stuff out in your bins. Now you're, you're paying for the privilege of bagging it yourself, and it's already been paid for, but you get the privilege for paying for it again. And all this nonsense and nonsense and nonsense to soak money out of you because... They don't want you to be a consumerist society anymore. We're post-consumerism. We're being trained now that we'll have less and less money to spend, and most of it, believe you me, most of it will go in fees. Fees to have your garbage taken away, fees to drive your car. They're already introducing laws across the world at the same time because we are global, and a central body does run the world already. But fees to do with your eco-car, if your car is economical, economical and uh, pollution-free as possible. So the big um, cars, which are dual-purpose, battery, uh, gasoline, are getting special favors when you purchase them. They've got a whole list of penalties to, uh, lined up for those who buy uh, the same kind of models. They're not uh, the hybrids. And they're also going to start doing it too each time you go for your road tax every year. Uh, they're going to start billing you a penalty fee uh, the more gas it burns. Gas guzzlers are calling them. They're also going ahead to get older and older cars off the road all the time with massive fees and fines and just stealing your car and crushing them. Because you see, in the new Agenda 21, the agenda for the 21st century, it's also called the century of change by the politicians. Uh, they're going to bring down people from driving altogether except essential vehicles only. And last week I read a report from the United Nations that said that up to about 2020 or so, 97% of the public will be all living in the overcrowded cities as we're all taken down uh, economically uh, and by our numbers as well. Will die off, in other words, nice and sterile, but maybe kind of happy as we pay off for all privileges for living in the concrete jungle. But meanwhile, as I say, we're being bombarded with crazy topics that are meant to upset you until you cannot fathom uh, common sense or judge common sense anymore. This is intentional. Don't fall for these things. Here's an example. Now, they knew when they opened the floodgates to uh, the whole of Europe and a lot of the world in Britain, when Tony Blair was in, and I read the articles from the mainstream where Tony Blair is admitted now, and his right-hand uh, henchman uh, admitted that they were going to destroy the British culture forever by completely opening the floodgates to all immigrants, especially those from more, the most diverse countries, nothing in common with the British people. That has been accomplished. They opened them completely wide and said, come in. 
That's what's destroying the national health system. They can't handle all these people, these incomers. And that's part of the agenda too. Less and less health care across the world as we go down into the UN's mandated minimal health care only. That's what you have to get for the masses, according to your social status. Politicians have exempted themselves in the British Commonwealth countries uh, for years. Back in the 80s, they started that, where politicians and their families and high-level bureaucrats and their families will be given special uh, medical and surgical treatment at top military hospitals. I see Obama's just passed to health care in the States, and voila, the, the Congress and the Senate are exempted from following the same rules as you do. You'll also get special treatment. By the way, when you get up there too, you get a little privilege card that, that gives you access to the genetically non-modified foods and organically grown and the ones that don't give you the cancers. That's another little freebie they don't want the public to know about. But it broke out in Britain when Tony Blair uh, was passing, uh, trying to pass the GMO uh, food bill, but he exempted the politicians' own parliament, their, their own uh, cafeteria. They call it cafeterias, like the Ritz, uh, in, in London. They were all exempt from eating the rubbish and the poison stuff uh, that's killing us off and destroying our immune systems. We are really under attack, and Joe Average will never figure it out because he can't imagine that people can really do that to their what he thinks is their own kind. Well, you see, psychopaths have no problem doing that to you. They have no conscience at all. And they're bought and paid for by the dozen. Not by the baker's dozen, but the banker's dozen. That's where their heart is, believe you me. For instance, Tony Blair, there's a racket going on with Tony Blair right now. The guy who single-handedly took Britain to war on behalf of his banker masters, the guys who put him in place. And here is an article here. This is from the Mail Online. Tony Blair, why I need five million pounds. That's about nine million dollars every year just to get by. Oh, poor soul. Poor Tony, eh? Labour man he was. You know, he stood up for the working people. But he was a Fabian socialist and most of them are millionaires already. Nothing in common with the public and never intended to be either. They're a, they're, they're a faint, you call it. Tony Blair's told friends he needs to earn at least £5 million a year just to break even. Poor soul, eh? The, the former Prime Minister has been heavily criticised for cashing in on his contacts for personal gain and is thought to have made around £20 million since leaving office. Now, I went through that before, showing you that's his payoffs to his ma- by his masters. That's how they do it legally. He'll speak in front of 20 people and he'll get about £100,000 for doing so. Well, you don't get that from a few people. That's your payoff. That's how you get paid off. Then you get a ghost-written book that someone else does for you. That's another payoff. Then you're made director of, of many different corporations. You get a seat in the board. You don't have to attend. That's their other payoffs. It's been this way forever with these, oh, these psychopaths for hire. Five million pounds just to get by. Well, how does this swine expect the ordinary people to get by with all the levies and taxes he's foisted on them? Huh? But mind you, Britain is the flagship for the world of all to copy their system. And their National Health Service is an absolute mess and chaos. And I've read so many articles about it on the air. And here's Obama bringing in the same thing here in the U.S., 
copying Canada, where you wait for five, six hours to see a doctor, a walk-in clinic. And if you're lucky, you might see him before they close the doors and kick you out until you come back the following day for your minimal care. But the politicians, no. Just like Obama did it too for all his pals and his buddies and himself and his family, they get special care. Because they're special people, you understand. And the folk keep voting these uh, racketeers in, don't they? The con doesn't stop. Con doesn't stop. Now, yesterday I mentioned about uh, a rapist, for instance, in Britain. This is meant to throw you off balance and really get you angry. Who was from the Congo, living in Britain, raped a woman and threw her on the garbage dump, where I guess he thought that's where all the finished garbage goes. Back with more about this after this break. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix uh, mentioning that uh, awful uh, rapist from the Congo is one of many actually uh, who've been raping recently lots of articles about them coming in and just raping away there because to them you see um, the culture in the West uh, portrays uh, uh, women of easy virtue you might say through their fashion because they all copy much music and all that kind of stuff so they think they're easy marks and they don't understand that when the women say no, that that means no. Uh, and then they just dump them on uh, garbage dumps and stuff like that, you know. And then they get permission to stay in the country if they get married to someone else uh, from their own country. Probably money's up front, you see. And that's how they do it. That's how they get married. And uh, the Home Office, the High Supreme Bunch, you know, the High Hootspurs for British Law, uh, have allowed it. So he'll be on the streets uh, shortly, uh, no doubt scurrying the garbage dumps. But as he's doing that, I'm showing that the U.S. and elsewhere what you've got to look forward to, because everything that's done in Britain is for the use elsewhere. We're all to get the same problems. And we'll be told all the time, we just get odd. Just be, go easy. They don't understand. They can't speak your language. They're different, you see. Special, special strokes for different folks, you see. That's how their law is, as you bow down, bow down, and bend over, and bend over, and just take it, and take it, and take it. This is all meant to cause complete disruption within society and throw you off balance, as I say, until you can't even trust your common sense or judgment anymore. Psychological techniques. Here's an instance, an instance here. And this is from the, uh, I think it's from the Mail Online. Slaughter of the swans as carcasses pile up and migrant camps are built on the riverbanks. Uh, Peterborough residents are too frightened to visit the park. Uh, the 26th of March 2010, as civic projects go using lottery cash to restore walkways and bridal paths on the river, Nin seems decent enough way to spend charity money for the greater good, creating 50 miles of cycle routes, parkland, dozens of picnic spots and so on, yada, 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 the Millennium Green Wheel Project, yada, 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 etc., a cost of £10 million, it should be a delight with re- uh, recreated woodland and hedgerows along the water. The project was also intended to give a boost to wildlife in the area, etc., etc., etc. Then it says, with salmon and sea trout spotted in the river for the first time in decades, 
The regeneration work has also seen the Neen come alive with other aquatic life, from fishes, pike, carp, trench, barbel, to water, voles, etc., etc. But this week, with spring in the air and flowers in bloom on the banks, few local people were brave enough to venture for an evening stroll along this delightful waterway, following the disturbing allegations that Eastern European immigrants are plundering and pillaging local wildlife. For according to a flurry of alarming reports, Eastern Europeans are stalking the creatures of the River Neen, and to the horror of local residents are now reputedly uh, targeting the city's swans. They're eating them. Rather than simply enjoying the spectacle, blah, 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 the immigrants see the swans as a rich source of food and are trapping the birds, then roasting them in open fires along the river bank. And it goes on and on and on with empty vodka, vodka bottles and beer cans and all that kind of stuff and stuff. And you've got all these different agencies that would be, that would, anybody that was British and, and was born there would be in the slammer right away and lose their home and everything. But no, you see, they just don't know who to charge. They can see them and they can see their camps and, but no, you know, you gotta go easy on people who just don't know and etc, etc, etc. And this is meant to cause intense frustration within the country. Getting people fighting each other is a great technique of ruling the public because the government then says, look, none of you can control yourselves. We'll have to put more cops and bully men on the street in uniforms and body armor and really start tasering a lot of you. I'm not kidding. These are techniques that are planned before all this stuff even is allowed to happen. And I mean allowed to happen. So they're not putting rapists in jail or anything like that. Uh, or they're not uh, arresting the people who are eating it. You, any British person uh, caught killing a swan is instantly in the slammer. You can't kill swans in Britain. You see, the Queen owns them all. The Queen. She owns everything in Britain, in fact. And what do they do with their time? How do the cops go after real criminals? Well, here's an article here from Mail Online 2. It's again to show you America what you've got to look forward to all these fun and games. Pet shop owners fined £1,000 and told to wear an electronic tag on her leg for selling a goldfish to a boy. You see, the cops sting. They live off setting up stings to entrap people. And they use children to do it. I read... Uh, last year, uh, how they were sending uh, children, girls uh, mainly, into cutlery stores to buy a knife and then charging the owner for selling a, a knife to an underage person. And these young, some of these young girls were, have been interviewed. They want to become cops. So here they're, they've been taught and getting paid to do this, to entrap people at the age of 13 and 14. Can you imagine what you're going to have to look forward to when they're in uniform? These are make-work projects for the cops. So, just like when they find terrorism, they set up stings get, and trap up a bunch of young guys who would never have thought of it unless, they, unless CSIS, the MI5, or the CIA, or FBI put somebody out there with all the patter, as they say, to entice them into it, set them up and sting them. All these things are make-work projects, and when there's no terror happening, you got to make it happen, at least the appearance of it. But back to this article here. Um, this woman's offence. She's a grandmother. Her offence was to unwittingly sell a goldfish to a 14-year-old boy, taking part in a trading standards sting. And most pet shop owner, Joan Higgins, 66, expected a slap on the wrist for breaking new animal welfare laws which banned the sale of pets to under-16s. Back with more after this break. 
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. This is Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix, showing you how cognitive dissonance works, where you're punch drunk left and right. You don't know which way is right, which way is wrong anymore. Everything's turned upside down, as all the agencies that are out there are now authorities. All these services are now authorities, and they're just simply persecuting the public, especially the ones that uh, can't fight back. It depends who you are, and they might leave you alone if you just walked in and ate a few swans and drunk a few gallons of vodka. But back to this article here. It's this, this great-grandmother, right? Uh, she sold a, a goldfish to this little child that was sent, sent into Stinger, basically, set it up. And she didn't know about the law. It says the pet show owner. Instead, the great-grandmother was taken to court, fined a thousand pounds, and by the way, they, took, they dragged out for eight months in order to wear an electronic tag for two months. The punishment is normally handed out to violent thugs and repeat offenders, but this is a new technique for the, for the ordinary folk, you see, the defenseless ones. The prosecution of Mrs. Higgins and her son Mark is estimated to have cost taxpayers £20,000 and has left her with a criminal record. See, crime pays for the, for the, for the criminal investigation bunch and the lawyers and the courts. Crime does pay for them. That's what pays all their big salaries. The guys with the wigs that dress in women's clothing and do odd things with little children. Mark 47 was also fined in order to carry out 120 hours of unpaid work in the community. That's her, her son. Last night, an, a member of Parliament criticised the magistrates. Mrs Higgins, who has run the pet shop for 28 years, said the family's eight-month ordeal has left them traumatised. No wonder. She added, it's ridiculous. I mean, what danger am I that I have to wear an electronic tag? Maybe that's so she can't go along to where the swans are, maybe help herself as well. But of course, she'd never think of that. These last few months have been very, a very stressful time. The seven-week curfew imposed by the courts means she's unable to babysit her grandson at his home, great-grandson, or go to bingo lessons with her sister, and will be unable to attend Rod Stewart concert. Well, you're okay if you miss that one. After tickets were bought by her nephew, etc., etc., her son said, I think it's a farce. What gets me so cross is that they put my mum on a tag. She's nearly 70. She's a great-grandma, etc., etc., etc. Mrs. Higgins claimed the undercover operation was a clear case of entrapment when a person is encouraged by someone in some official capacity to commit a crime and said the case should never have gone to court. Do you understand they're using children for this, though? There shouldn't have been a law against that in itself. Shouldn't there be? It's disgusting what these rats get up to on these make-work projects to persecute the public and get more cash out of them. Disgusting. And no one's stopping them. They're on a roll. And there's an awful lot worse to come, believe you me. A lot worse to come. But rapists are okay from the Congo. Uh, that throw their victim on the, the garbage dump. That's where used garbage goes, you see. That's okay. Yeah. Now, every country's uh, approached its population with slightly different variations on the same things. How to get everybody chipped and printed and all the rest of it. And I mentioned about a year ago the Badger Club that opened in Spain. 
and how they were putting chips in the arms of the patrons, the young, young silly guys, because they made sure these dance halls had the, the most beautiful young females, you see. Guys always fall for that. And um, they were taking chips, and they could charge your chip with so much, so much credit for your booze and all the rest of it. And uh, I'm sure there were different categories of them, silver or bronze, silver, gold, and platinum uh, to impress uh, the punters around. But interestingly enough, the Badger Club was based initially in California, and I read the article too, where the head of it was the head at one point of the National Security Agency, who are pushing the, the Digital Angel chips, and, all, and they've changed their name, by the way, Digital Angel, because it got a bad name. But they'll use every dirty trick to get what they want. And, of course, what, what does a prey do when it looks at its victims? It studies its, the species, studies them. What did they all have in common? What did they do? And they have sex drives. And they have hormonal drives. Well, we'll use that against them. Here's Australia. It's like a different way to approach things. A big night out with drinking, dancing, and fingerprinting. And it's from March 27th. Patrons at Minsky's Hotel uh, Cremorne have their IDs scanned and photographs taken. Somewhere in Perth, Australia's central business district, is a building containing the names, ages, addresses, photographs, and unique fingerprint codes of thousands of revelers who danced and drank at Sydney's home nightclub last year. Home in Darling Harbour began trialling the biometric ID scanning entry system nine months ago. Patents lined up before six large terminals to have their photo taken and their driver's license and right index fingerprint scanned. The information was copied and sent to Western Australia, where it's stored in a secured central database by the system developers. While Home is the only New South Wales venue to see fingerprinting technology at present, there are 13 nationwide. Various forms of ID scanning are being quietly, quietly rolled out at other night spots. I like that, quietly rolled out. Among them is Hotel Cremorne on the lower north side or shore. Since November, the nightclub has required guests to submit to a photograph and ID scans as a line-up on the street to enter on Thursday, Friday and Saturday nights. It did kind of creep me out, made me feel like a criminal, a regular attendee, Julia Robertson said, but I think it does make me feel safe. I feel safer about the other. Where's the cotton wool? Just drape me in cotton wool. If some creepy guy comes in and they've taken their photograph, listen, lady, the creepy guy will be walking about outside. Queensland's ID Tech installed its first ID scanning system in New South Wales in 2006, but now has hundreds in drinking establishments across the country and thousands of individuals on its centrally stored ban list accessible to any clients. And so on and so on. It says people don't really have much respect for CCTV cameras these days. When you see it on our television, it's grainy, he said. But with our system, they can see what happens in CCTV and line up that up with the picture taken of them at the door. So there you go. Many ways to get the young to give up uh, their rights and to be fingerprinted for life. Eh? And the hormonal drive never, never fails. Study your prey study their habits, and go for it. That's what the big boys do all the time. It's quite something, I'll tell you. It's quite, quite something. Now, there's a new skin sensors. This is BBC. Sensors turn skin into gadget control pads. 
Tapping your forearm or hand with a finger could soon be the way for you to interact with gadgets. U.S. researchers have found a way to work out where the, the tap touches and use that to control phones and music players. Coupled with a tiny projector, the system can use a skin as a surface in which to display menu choices, a number pad or a screen. Early work suggests a system called SkinPoot can be learned with about 20 minutes of training. The human body is the ultimate input device. I'll, I'll repeat that for the harder thinking. Uh, the human body is the ultimate input device, Chris Harrison, Harrison SkinPoot's creator, told BBC News. He came up with a skin-based input system to overcome the problems of interacting with the gadgets we increasingly tote around. And, of course, it's all to do with what they call objects and things, where everything's going to be communicating to every other object and thing as you travel through your environment, from your clothes to everything that you wear, will be a walk-in ID. The nano-ID technology is already in the clothing, by the way, that you don't know about. The best thing you do is to go into used stores and buy all different kinds of things, and that way it's all registered to other people's names. And so you're a walking composite. You really, really mix them up. They'll want to know who you are. That's what I'm going to do. But with global warming, I don't know if you all noticed the articles. There's so many articles came out. Because remember, a few weeks ago, I read how the IPCC, you know, that corrupt bunch of the United Nations. Remember, everything from the United Nations is, is a political agenda. So they use science as a political agenda. That's where they lie so much about it. And uh, they can, they're restructuring their system and we're working with the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations, to teach the journalists of all newspapers how to how to put it across information about the weather to the public. So we get get the, so so we we fall into the conclusions like I was talking yesterday. This designed for us to fall into, be better at it, in other words, and don't say anything negative. Well, here's here's global warming. Here's an article that came out yesterday. Colder than Moscow, thousands of homes without power and drivers stranded as Britain, this is April, right? March, April, is battered by blizzards and gale force winds. Parts of Britain were waking up under several inches of snow today as a flash of winter uh, in uh, the spring made some areas colder than Moscow. 40,000 homes were without power as blizzards, gale force winds and torrential rain hit both Scotland and Northern Ireland knocking down power lines and causing widespread transport havoc and lots of snow and all the rest of it. So uh, there's your global warming for you. But by the way, uh, they're really hammering the spray and the, you know, the, the geoengineering, as they're calling it. We've been, we've been getting it for 12 years now. And they, they're still saying, we might try it one day. We're just working on what would happen if we went ahead and tried it. But they've already been doing it for 12 years. Twelve years, breathing this stuff in, giving everybody incredible autoimmune problems and bronchitis. They know darn well what they're doing. And it's not just not just to control the weather, because according to top pilots and aircraft officials, they get in touch with me. It's mainly over the crowded cities. Well, that's not where all the weather is, is it? Now, there's a couple of callers on the phone. There's Maggie from Texas. Are you there, Maggie? Uh, yes, Alan. Um, I wanted to ask you this question for a long time, but I couldn't get in the night. Uh, it was fresh in my mind. Um, sometime, quite some time back, you spent the better part of a program talking about the various horrors of the uh, 
uh, Canadian medical system. And uh, in the United States, the uh, Canadian medical system is perceived as wonderful and perfect compared to ours. And, I, you know, people go to Canada to get prescription drugs, for instance, and you were talking about Canadians coming to the United States uh, to uh, get treatment, which I would not have guessed myself. So uh, could you please explain why we have this perception that Canadian uh, uh, Canadian health care is perfect and uh, yes. think it's so much better than ours? I'll tell you why. And I read the article last year. Canada spent over $45 million dollars on propaganda alone, just to propagandize how wonderful the medical system is. That, that's one reason for it. That was an advertising to tell us how good it is, to tell the Canadians who know it, it, it stinks how good it is. Uh-huh. That's a lot of money. And uh, I mean, I just talked to someone today in town who was spending the whole day in town from 9.30 in the morning right through to about 5 uh, in a walk-in clinic trying to see a doctor. And each time they would end, they're told to come back. You, you go in and you register with a card, and at first they'll say, oh, come back in two or three hours. And then you go back and say, oh, come back in another three hours. And then if you go back about closing time, or, or, or maybe in, you're still there in the evening around 7 p.m., if the doctor is called out to the hospital, they'll say, come back the next day, and maybe we'll see you then. That's, that's the cure. And by the way, the maximum time you get with a doctor is one minute. <laughs> exactly. Well, that that sounds like here. Um, now, does that almost does that pertain to everybody, even the comparatively well-off? Or no, like... I'll tell you what happened in the late 1980s. The whole British Commonwealth countries, the politicians uh, in the newspapers at the time, uh, changed it because they, they knew they were going to take down the medical systems for the for the ordinary people the politicians passed a law that they themselves do get, and their families, and the bureaucrats and their families, were to get special uh, care at top military hospitals for surgery and medicine whenever they required it. Uh, And by the way, Obama has just passed that into law in the States for this new system he's passed. Uh, all, all, All congressmen and senators and the bureaucrats are exempt from following the same laws regarding Medicare as, as the rest of the U.S. is to be. So they pay nothing into it. They'll all be uh, given the top treatment and priority at the top military establishments. Yeah. Okay, but um, then uh, what about the fairly wealthy person who is not part of the uh, bureaucracy? Can they still go to private physicians? I mean, people who can pay it mm-hmm. are not, not dependent on insurance, which isn't many of us. That's right. Well, what they do, it's just like, see, London really is, the, again, you're copying England. Everything is happening is copying England. And in England, they made sure uh, that Harley Street, where all the top specialists are, uh, are, is always there for every operation or every problem for the extremely, extremely wealthy people. And they do the same thing, of course, in Canada. For You, you can go into Canada to special clinics, but you could never afford them. Ordinary folk could never afford them. And uh, and even then, when a top politician recently, I read the article a few weeks back in Canada here from the federal government, uh, went to the States for an operation because it, because uh, um, they couldn't even perform that type of operation here. We, 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 we're on the very basic things here, very basic. And even then, if you're on ordinary uh, and coverage, we all pay taxes into this, by the way, in Canada. 
You might wait six months, a year, a year and a half uh, for physiotherapy alone, never mind an operation. Okay, so as I understand it then, um, Canada had a fairly good health system until about a little over 20 years ago, and perception has not caught up with reality. That's what I suspected. Uh, perception has been over, overcome by the government spending 45 or $48 million per year on propaganda as to how wonderful the, the system is. Yes. I hear you, and that makes yeah. sense. Thank you so much, Alan. And thanks for calling. Yeah, everybody is to copy the British system, and uh, uh, the United Nations, you have to go into the World Health Organization. They run it all, by the way. And they want, everything's being standardized across the world in all economies and, and medicine. And the World Health Organization look into its, its tenet and its charter, and it says that everyone across the planet will be guaranteed the most minimal health care, minimal health care. And that's what they're putting in place now. Yep. Now, there's also Mike from Wyoming there. You're there, Mike. Hello, Mike. Time to time, you do kind of a uh, uh, hit and run on on Christianity, and I happen to be a Christian. Uh, but uh, some of the facts you bring forward are are intriguing, especially for someone who knows a little bit about Freemasonry and the and the uh, occult secret societies. The story of Lazarus being one of them. Uh, mm-hmm. The fact that he was uh, he supposedly died for three days and was raised by Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, that does have kind of a haunting parallel within the secret societies. Yeah. How do you, who do you, who do you think wrote the Christian Bible and why? Who do I think wrote it and why? Well, I'll tell you, hang on, and I'll get back to you and come back from this break. Cutting through the matrix, just responding to Mike about Christianity and who wrote the Bible. Well, we'll never really know. We can't know, and that's the beauty of ancient things um, for those who rule them. Um, we'll never know the, the nitty-gritties of anything, but there's no doubt that all political, um, all Bibles have been produced, inversions of Bibles have been produced up to the present time for political purposes. And even in recent times, in the 20th century, there were different versions of the Bible coming out that was taking Sodom and Gomorrah out to, not to offend certain peoples and stuff like that, political reasons. But there's no doubt at all there was something there originally by uh, maybe a few writers. And they go through, all the experts go through different, uh, the, uh, is this an A or a Q that wrote these two different books, etc., and they argue amongst themselves. But what you're left with is basically a very... Very uh, short story of of a person that's the epitome of perfection, in in a sense. Uh, but, we, but you can also see where a later church added in certain things to give authority to the church. We also see it changing through the writings of Paul, where I mean Jesus told his followers that to go into their own room or closet and pray to God themselves. He was telling them you don't need the priests. That was number one. No, that, that doesn't sit well with priests and institutions. And then later on, uh, Paul, who was a Pharisee himself, 
and taught in the Pharisaical uh, mentality, and it's a, it's a type of logic, um, started up the communes, uh, where Jesus never talked about communes. And then later on you find uh, that Jesus is said to have given powers to the disciples where they could forgive sins on behalf of God. And so, so that was exactly what the, the, the later Catholic Church decided to bring in little additions in the early centuries when they took over. And that's understandable because the Catholic Church uh, simply uh, changed their hats overnight when they came from the priests of Jupiter and Saturn and all the rest of it and changed their hats into Christianity centuries and centuries later when they were told to for political purposes by a Rome that already was a, a, an, a political and an, an, an empirical society. So unfortunately it was married with politics from the very beginning and a huge massive institution behind it uh, and, it, and it combined the two systems into one. So we know very little about the early parts, except the little red one parts where Jesus speaks. And the impression you always, I always get is that he never meant it to be uh, that spirituality could come to the masses en masse. It was meant for the individual to follow. You have verification of this in some writings in the Talmud. The Talmud came out of Babylon, with a new type of priesthoods that were called Pharisees, because the old temple priests had died away. They were hereditary priests. And uh, the new Pharisees had uh, adopted all of the Babylonian structure, um, but they also tried to keep their own traditions alive. And they started writing the laws of the wise men of the Pharisees, generation by generation. So very high um, Pharisees were allowed to write into the Talmud and add to it, and then they eventually carried on to the Judaic Talmud. But even today, uh, in modern Judaism, when they have their conflict between the two, they must refer to the Babylonian uh, ones, and that overrides the later version. But they do mention a, a character in there that they claim is causing them trouble at that time, and they're anything but kind to them. So someone did exist at that time, there's no doubt about it, but I think his message literally was for the individual uh, to find his way to his God by himself, uh, and that seemed to be the message. But thanks for calling. From Hamish myself in Ontario, Canada, it's good night. May God or your gods go with you.